Shalom Aleichem, Shavuatot, all of you, uh, great listeners of this beautiful station that beams only Torah. This is Rabbi Almaz from SLC. I'm going to speak about the parasha we read yesterday, Parashat Vaishla. At the opening of the parasha, we see Yaakov Avinu is scared. He's frightened from his brother Esav, who was coming after him with 400 people. Esav is a warrior. He's a killer. It means nothing to him. Yaakov Avinu is Ishtam Yosheva Halim. So therefore, he was, he was very afraid. And he engaged in prayer. He said, Please, save me from my brother, from Esav. And you promised me, I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea. That's what he says. That's what he says. But Rashi picks up right away. I said, wait a minute. HaKadosh Baruch Hu never told him. No, he promised me something else. He promised him Kafaraharis, which is the dust of the earth, not Kecholayam. So where did he say that? Also, she says, well, he mentioned it to his grandfather Avraham. He told, indirectly, he told Abraham, I'm going to make your offspring very, very numerous. Like the stars of the heavens. And also, meaning also the sand on the seashore. So because he mentioned it to Abraham, so it's like, uh, indirectly, it's also shayach to him. Now, there are really three different ways that the Torah refers to the zerah of the, of the Bnei Israel. and What is the significance of these? Well, Really, the significance has to do with how the goyim, who are from the outside, look at us and how they treat us. Let's look at the first one, like the stars. When you look at the stars at night, you see they look all the same. There are literally millions and millions of stars in the heavens. They all look similar. However, if you were to look more closely, let's say you take a powerful telescope and you point it at the stars, you will see that, hey, they're different. They may be made of the same uh, medium, uh, hydrogen and helium, but they have different sizes, different temperatures, different brightness. So are the Jews, as far as the Guim are concerned. They will tell you the Jews are all the same. They're all the same. It's it's like it's like all one thing. That's it. But actually, it's not true. The truth is, each Jew has a special mission in this earth. As we say, Maase Adam Ufkudato, 
a Jew not only has, Hashem doesn't look only at the deeds, but also what his mission on earth is. I, I like to uh, mention uh, about the uh, Nitziv, uh, Rabbi Neftali Sviyuda Berlin, who wrote a beautiful parish on the Torah uh, called Hekmek Davar. And when he was 20 years old, his father wanted him to be an engineer. But he didn't want. He didn't want to go to university to study engineering. He wanted to be Tamit Hakam. So he went to yeshiva instead. And he learned, and he became a big Tamit Hakam. And he wrote this uh, Pirush commentary on the Torah, Amikdabar, beautiful Pirush. After he wrote it, when he completed, he made a little Sauda. And he start, he, when he got up to speak, he said, you see, if I had listened to my father and gone to university, then after 120, when I go upstairs, Hashem is going to take this book here. He would tell me, look what you could have done. You could have written this perush and you didn't. He says, that's why he decided to become a Tamit Hakam. That's what he wanted. That was his mission on earth. But the Goyim, as far as they're concerned, they look at us like uh, all the same. What about the whole Ashif Asifat Ayyam, the seashore? Well, there are two ways throughout the history of the Jews that the Goyim have been treating us. Hol, what is Hol Asifatayam? What does the seashore remind you of? You know, when you want to take a vacation and you go to the seashore and you say you take a sun bath, you look at a beautiful ocean, you can sit and look at that tranquil water for hours, right? Yet the seashore itself, when the water comes in, Hashem decreed that the seashore will stop the water. You can have the you can have a lot of waves coming in. They come to the seashore in general, and right there they collapse. Well, that's what happens with the goyim also throughout our history. There were some goyim that treated us very nicely, very beautifully. You are our friends. Come, come with us. You're going to have beautiful positions. In government, in economy. But Baruch Hashem, the seashore, our Torah, stops it right there. Instead of assimilating with them, the Torah stops it. That's one way. Or, Ka'afara Ares. Afara Ares. What's the dust of the earth? Of the earth? What is that? Everybody tramples on the earth. The earth, everyone tramples on it. You step on it all the time. You walk on it. But at the same time, who's the winner at the end? The earth. Because after 120, everybody gets inside the earth. There was once two friends that were fighting. They were very good friends. But then they started fighting about a, a piece, a parcel, a, a piece of land. Because they had their fields were contiguous. One said, this is mine. The other one said, it's mine. So they go to the rabbi. 
The rabbi comes. He says, you know what? I want to go there myself and see what's going on. So he goes to the piece of land. And one says, this piece of land, this, this is mine. The other one, this is mine. The rabbi goes down the, or puts his ear by the earth. Then he gets up and says, you know what? You say this earth belongs to you. You say it belongs to you. The earth says both of you belong to it. That's right. But this is Rabbutai, how they treat us and what happens at the end? We are the winners. Just like the earth, they trample on it. They've been trampling, they've been trampling on us for ages. Massacring Jews. Putting them in in, in gas chambers, burning them into Udafi in Spain, and so on and so forth. But at the end, we are here. And many of the great civilizations of old are not here anymore. You know, as a matter of fact, I just remember a uh, beautiful short video that I saw last week. This video shows the current chief rabbi of Israel, uh, the Sephardic rabbi, Hacham Mishak Yosef, he was giving a shiur. At the end of the shiur, he says to them that he went to visit Russia. He went for a visit to Russia. I mean, probably goes to various different countries. He went to visit Russia. Then he asked the uh, embassy of Israel to somehow make an appointment with the president of Russia, Putin. Well, after haggling, okay, they gave him 15 minutes. So he goes to the president, you know, hello and so on. Then Putin starts talking. And the way he says it, he talks and talks and keeps on talking. Of course, he did not understand Russian, and Putin doesn't understand Hebrew either. But they had the translator from the embassy. And he was telling him, you know, tell him history. He's telling him about uh, the great civilization of, of the, the Greek civilization, the Greek empire that happened way back. And he, in details, then he tells him about the Babylonian uh, empire and the civilization, the Egyptian civilization, and the Roman civilization, and so on, Byzantine, and so on and so forth. And he said, 15 minutes is going into over an hour. Then at the end, Putin asks the Hakam Ishak Yosef, tell me, how come all these civilizations are non-existent anymore, but you are still here? The Jewish nation is still here. So Hakam Ishak Yosef is about to answer but Putin says to him, wait, wait, wait. I'll give you the answer, he says. I'm going to answer the question. It's because of your Torah. It's because of the Hakamim, the sages that they had throughout this, all these, these ages here. They were the ones that taught the Torah from father to son and from rabbi to child. This is the reason. Now you're talking about the president of Russia. 
Russia happens to be the largest, as far as area is concerned, it's the largest piece of land in the world. Okay, China has more people, but not as not as big. We see Rabotai slowly but surely, the leaders of the world are finally appreciating, are finally believing that Torah has done something good to our nation. And if these leaders believe it, how much more so we ourselves should believe in it. This is our source of life. The Torah is our source of spiritual nourishment. It has kept us together for 3,500 years. So, we have, we have to also, our, our, our mission now is protect it and observe its laws and traditions. And the more we do that, the more we have a way to show the world that we are indeed Amsegula. Another interesting remark that I would like to bring to bring up uh, at this moment, since we started talking about the prayer of Yaakov Avinu, is regarding this strong fear that Yaakov Avinu had. What? Why did he have such a great fear? And not only that, like not only the prayer he prayed and he gave him, uh, he sent him a, a tremendous gift. We're talking about like something like 580 heads of cattle. It's a prayer, Doron, and he prepared for war. Right? Now, why was he? Why was he so scared? Akadosh Baruch Hu told him, right? He told him, "Don't worry about it." Ushmartani baderech. I'm going to keep. You know, I'm. I'm going to protect you. Then, the problem is the following. Let me quote a Gemara for you, Masechet Shabbat. A person should never put himself in a position of danger thinking, ah, Akadosh Baruch is going to make a miracle, is going to save him. Shema in Osilones? Maybe there won't be any miracle. And if he's lucky enough, and the, actually, there is a miracle that happens, and he's okay. Menakin lo mizchiyotav. Then they deduct it from his credit. Akadosh Baruch upstairs, he has a balance sheet for each one of us. There's a debit and a credit. If Akadosh Baruch is going to make a miracle for someone, well, his merits are going to come down. They're going to be reduced. How do we know this? The Gemara says, Katonti Mikola Hasadim or Mikol Haemet. Because we see it from Yaakov. He says, Sure, he can, he can have an S being done, but he says, it's no good because and he, I, I'm so belittled now from all the Zechuyot already that Akal did for me. And, and, and I don't want to reduce anymore my Zechuyot. I don't, want any, I don't want any miracles to happen. Because if it does, maybe it will decrease my miracle completely. 
or maybe, hey, because of so many uh, uh, rewards and, and, and good things uh, the, and the hasadim that Hashem did to me, maybe I don't have that many zikhuyot left. That's important. That's why he was afraid. You know, some people think, you know what? Hey, look at me. I have a tremendous, very good partner, huh? Baruch Hashem, I have good, healthy kids. Beautiful home. Everything is going good for me. Hashem likes me. It's because of my great zechuyot. I deserve it. That's why Hashem is showering me with good things. No one should think that way. Don't be so confident. You never know. Hashem may be paying you back or rewarding you for a merit that you have done in this world and perhaps nothing is left from the next world. This is what this Pasuk is teaching us. Don't ask for miracles. And if they happen, make sure not to take it for granted. See, many hachamim and great tzaddikim, they did not want. They rejected. They were never asking for miracles from Hashem. Specifically because of this reason. It eats up from their merits. I'm going to mention only one of them. There's a story in uh, the Gemara, in Masechet Ta'anit. And the Gemara speaks about this man by the name of El-Azar Ishberta. El-Azar, who, he was a Sadiq. He was from the place called Berta. And he gave a lot of sedaka all the time. So much so that anytime someone would ask him for sedaka, whatever he has in his pocket, he gives it to him. So one time, he was in a, in a market, and he was going to buy, he had plenty, you know, enough money to buy uh, a lot of things for the, as a dowry for his daughter who's about to get married. But then he saw two collectors, and when they saw him, they ran away from him. They were, they were, they were afraid, they were worried. If, 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 he, if they come to him, he's going to give everything he had. And they, they don't want to take everything he had. They knew. They knew about him. He was, he was famous for that. But then he ran after them and he caught up with them and he told them, I adjure you, tell me why are you, what cause are you collecting for? So they said to him, we're collecting for the wedding of an orphan boy and an orphan girl. Yatum So he took everything he had with him and he gave it to them. He said, this takes precedence over my own daughter. He was left with one single dinar. And with that dinar, he bought himself some wheat. And he then went to his house and he threw that wheat into a storage room that he had there. Meantime, uh, Elazar's wife came and said to her daughter, uh, what has your father brought? What did he bring with him? Because she knew he went to the market. She said to her mother, well, whatever he brought, he threw into the uh, the storage room there. 
So she said to the mother, said, go, go take a look what's in there. And the door went to open the door. And she saw that the storage room was full of weed, so much so that it was coming out through the doorknob, through the door cracks. And, and every, the wheat was, was, it was full. It was exploding from wheat. The, the, the storage room had miraculously been completely filled. So the daughter went to the study hall. She went to the Bet Midash where her father was learning and said to her father, Come, come and see what a Kadosh Baruch Hu who loves you did for you. Look what he, what he performed. A big miracle. And she told him, but the wheat. So he says to her, I swear by the temple service, he says, as far as you are concerned, this wheat is consecrated property. You have a share in it only as one of the poor Jews. You are no different from anyone else. And he said this because he did not want to personally benefit from a miracle. Okay, Rabbi the great lesson we learn from here is do not be overconfident of yourself. Instead, be overgrateful. You know, the Amidah has a part where we ask so many things from Makadush Baruch Allah, give us say, give us sechel, give us intelligence. Give us panasa, give us refu'ah, bring our Mashiach, Sitkenu, and so on and so forth. That's pretty long. Then, another part is, is we are grateful to you, Akadosh Barakul. Now, most people, as far as the first, the, the first part is concerned, oh yeah, Oh, they ask Hashem. They read a lot of requests. They have a whole list of requests. But what about when it comes to gratefulness, to the modim part of it? That's just as important, if not more important. Why we spend so much time requesting and asking for things, but so little for gratefulness to Hashem? It should be the other way around. Be very grateful that Hashem is giving you life. It's giving you a home. It's giving you a panasa. It's giving you children. Be grateful for that. That's more important. So, if we believe in Hashem and we do the Miswot and the Torah, as we said before, which really has kept us alive, even the, the president of Russia has attested to that. We will see our Mashiach Sitkenu Bikarov Amen. And Rabotai, I want to just remind you that this station is extremely important for the benefit of the entire community. If you can help out, please do so. And if you do have a Simha, regardless of the Simha, please call SLC. We have a beautifully renovated ballroom that will accommodate any of your uh, Simha. Thank you. Ashawatov.